Good morning, church. Thank you for joining us this morning as we come together and worship God through song. Please stand with me if you are able as we come together and sing. Majesty, worship is majesty. Good morning, church. Good morning to those online as well. We are happy you are watching, and we are so happy you are here. I've got a few announcements for you, but before I do that, it is a beautiful morning outside. God has blessed us with some beautiful weather. Would you turn to someone around you and just say, good morning, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. I am feeling the love in our church this morning. Online, I hope you also shared with someone that you're glad you're online. I'm really impressed. Lisa leaned over to Pastor Cliff, and she was glad he was here too. So I'm very impressed with that as well. Thank you, Lisa. All right, we've got lots going on in our church, which is exciting. Tonight is our Super Bowl watch party. It's going to start at 5 o'clock at the Activity Center I'm going to be kind of a potluck, bring something to share. If you are not a Chiefs fan, don't sit by Sandy, okay? All right? 
I'm hoping, Sandy, for you, we get a, they get a win tonight. All right? Along with that, Wednesday is our business meeting, and it will be a time of prayer and share at 6.30 as well. Next Saturday, um, if you have nothing to do, even if you have something to do, cancel your plans. It is the Youth Valentine's Dinner. Our youth have been preparing for this and planning for this. We prayed for this this morning. It is a time for you to get to know the youth of our church. Um, if you don't know them, they're usually in the front row or the back row. Um, so if you don't get around, that's where they're usually located. But they are going to serve you a Valentine's dinner. It will be a four-course meal, um, fully served. They're excited about this opportunity. Some of them are a little nervous. We've not been able to do a Valentine's dinner for a while, so they are very excited. So we ask um, if you want to sign up. The sign-ups are in the hallways. 6 o'clock next Saturday here at our church. Um, if you have a youth that is not here, um, we are asking the youth to be here at 4 o'clock to start preparing for that meal. So we would love to have any help we can get from our youth. Then, March 5th, we are having a Pinewood Derby. If you don't have a car, we're going to have cars available in the office that you could purchase. You can use an old car if you'd like. Um, and then also, they have planned a soup and chili cook-off. Okay, if you don't know what cook-off means, that means contest. So, yes, Kane, you can go to the cook-off and eat as much soup and chili as you want. Okay, so bring your best super chili, and we're going to see who's got the best here at church. It'll be a great time. That's going to be following worship. So it's also a time for our church to have some fellowship together. Um, and then also Sunday, March 5th, is Membership Sunday, and there will be more details coming on that one. Um, the next part that I have on here is a happy and a sad. Um, Blake Harding, this is his last Sunday with us before he goes to follow his call from God. Um, he will be serving at Highland Avenue Church in Robinson, and we are sad to see Blake leave as he has been a large part in our children's department. Um, I know he's been a huge part in my children's life, but God has called him, and we are thrilled that he is following God's call. And so we'll be doing a few things for Blake at the end of the service, okay? All right, now I would like for our deacon, Glenn Carty, to come and lead us in prayer. Thank you, Heather. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our dear, gracious, heavenly fathers, we come to you right now, Lord, uh, just thankful in our hearts, Lord. Thankful for the beautiful day that was mentioned earlier. Uh, and Lord, uh, thank you for the ones that are here this morning. We thank you for those that are watching online, Lord. And just, uh, just pray that you'll give them all a blessing and that we'll uh, leave here today with a, a special blessing in our hearts after hearing the message that uh, Cliff has prepared uh, I know, Lord, that you had a part in, in him preparing that, that you've given him the words to say. And, and Lord, uh, I want to I lift up uh, our foreign countries, Turkey, Syria, Lord, and the earthquake there that's happened. And, and Lord, uh, I, I know there's a lot of prayers going up because uh, SBC is, is uh, involved in this, uh, sending out prayers, sending help that they can. Lord, we know that the 
uh, us here, volunteers, can't go right now in the country because it's unsafe, but, but Lord, we can lift up prayers, and we know that you answer prayers, Lord. And just, uh, just be with all those that are over there, Lord, the, the uh, lives that have been lost, the families that are in turmoil, Lord. Uh, we know that you can put your loving arms around them, and they can see that. And, and Lord, I just pray that uh, these upcoming events that we have, uh, even this afternoon, the fellowship that we can have, Lord, I am so thankful to be a part of a church that has good Christian fellowship, Lord. And uh, we just uh, just stand amazed at the, the t fun times that we can have uh, with each other. And Lord, I thank you for that. And I just pray now, Lord, that you'll be with our service as we continue. Be with uh, Adam as he leads us in the song service, Lord, that, uh, that it'll even touch our hearts. And then as Cliff brings a message, Lord, that it'll reach into our, uh, each and every one of our hearts, Lord, that... Uh, we will receive the message uh, willingly and, and uh, leave here with a, a new, new attitude, Lord. And especially if there's someone here that is lost, Lord, or they need to make a decision of any kind, uh, we just pray that today they'll do that, Lord, and not, not postpone it any longer. Now, I just lift all this up to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Please stand with us if you are able, and we'll come together once again and worship through song. He became sin, who knew no sin, that we might become his righteousness. He humbled himself and carried the cross, love so amazing, love so amazing, Jesus Messiah, name above all.
Jesus Messiah, name above all names, blessed Redeemer, Emmanuel, the rescue for sinners, the ransom from hell. Jesus Messiah, Lord of all, Jesus Messiah, Lord of all, the Lord of Let your fire fall down. 
welcome you with praise. We welcome you with praise. Almighty God of love, be welcome in this place. We welcome you with praise. We welcome you with praise. Almighty God of love, be welcome in this place. Let every heart adore. Let every soul awake. Almighty God of love, be welcome in this place. We welcome you with praise. We welcome you with praise. Almighty God of love, be welcome in this place. To you our hearts are open. Nothing here is hidden. You are our one desire. You alone are holy. Only you are worthy, God. Let your fire fall down. To you our hearts are open. Nothing here is hidden. You are our one desire. You alone are holy. Only you are worthy, God. Let your fire fall down. You alone are holy. Only you are worthy, God. Let your fire fall down. Please be seated. All right, we just sang, You Alone Are Worthy. I want you to think about that for a minute. What does that mean to you and me? What is that, what, what's your reference point with that? When you sing that, when you sing that what's, it, what's it mean? I want you to think about that. It's, it's one of those things that Adam hopes that you sing in your head the rest of the week. Okay, so I want you to think about what that means. Here we are in the book of Esther. We're going to start in the end of the fifth chapter. We're going to go through the end of the seventh chapter. So that's what we're going to cover today. We're going to cover, it, it, it sounds like a lot of ground. I will tell you that there, I, I, there's a second battery back there. I can go all the way to kickoff time. <laughs> Aren't you guys excited about that? Yeah. So <laughs> I left the other battery back there. Anyway, so we're going to look at this. We're going to try to understand that. Do you ever, you, you get those things, you're scrolling through Facebook and you see somebody's posted something, and it's a Bible verse, and you go, wow, that's uh, it's really cool. But it's kind of, it kind of has a cliche fact to it. It's like something you say, but you really, really doesn't resonate with you, you don't connect with it. We're going to look at Proverbs 16, 18. It's a verse that I want to look at today. Because what I want to do is take one of those cliche verses that you scroll through, and I want to connect it to what we're reading here, and in turn connect it to your life today and your life tomorrow. That's what it's about, how we connect that. So Proverbs 16, 18 here. This is out of New American Standard. 
I'm going to flip the slide. Thank you. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before stumbling. You all heard that before, right? You've heard that before, or some version of it. Here it is in the Christian Standard Bible. Next slide there. Okay, there we go. Pride comes before... See, I can see two screens back here. Sorry. Pride, <laughs> pride comes before destruction and an arrogant spirit before fall. Okay? You get that? So it resonates. This is a little bit more modern. Okay, so you understand that. And then the last one's out of the message. First pride, then the crash. The bigger the ego, the harder the fall. Kind of like that one, all right? All of those verses say the same thing. Tell us it's a warning against pride, is it not? Only you are worthy is that reminder that it's not me, it's him. And that's where that, that pride comes into play there. How do we get rid of the pride that would cause us to crash? And the more pride we get built up, the harder the... Let's say that again, okay? The bigger the pride, the harder the fall. Oh, there we go. Okay. Now we're all on the same page. So the harder the fall. Let's look at this. We're going to be in the book of Esther. Where's at the book of Esther take place? It takes place in a place called Susa. All right? This is, you know, we repeat this. We'll repeat it one more time next week. That is in Iran right now. Shosh, if you look that up and you, you hold it over the map, it'll say the ruins of Susa are to the east or west of it, something like that. It, is the, it was at that time, right now it looks like just a, a spot on the road. But at that time, the time of Esther, it was the main Persian Empire place. Okay, that's where the king was at. So that's where the king was at. We see the location. Susa is referenced a couple different times, three different times. Here it is referenced. Here it's referenced in Ezra. Later on, it's referenced in Nehemiah. When Nehemiah comes onto the scene, this is after the book of Esther. Where's he at? He's at Susa. And it's also referenced in Daniel, which came before uh, Esther. All right, so you can kind of see that. Here's a little map of where it's at. Some of us understand Jerusalem, and so... Put my slide there. There we go. So Jerusalem is on this side of the screen. On this side of the screen, it's that blue dot where the blue line ends. The red dot is shush. And you'll see that line actually goes through Syria, um, through the south part of Syria, the area that got affected by the, 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 the earthquake north of there. But everything you see on the map at that time was the Persian Empire. And the, the Persian Empire actually extends the other way and the other way in the Mediterranean. That's how big that empire was at this time. So when did it take place? Talk a little bit about the time. It takes place during the, the reign of King Ahasuerus or Xerxes. So 486 to 465 is the date that we best have. It, they, they date Esther becoming queen in 479. The return, just a little bit of reference points around that. The return from exile, when they left Babylon and headed back to Jerusalem, that occurred, the first one occurred in 536. The temple, when they got back there, they started working on the temple. It apparently took them about 20 years to get the temple rebuilt. Now, the walls didn't get rebuilt till the time of Nehemiah, and that was after Esther. Around 445, that's when he hears the news about the, the condition of Jerusalem, and he's there during the king of Artaxerxes. All right, so we got that down. The outline that we have been following as we walk through the book, 
And when you're studying, it's good to have an outline. When you're studying a book, look for the outline. My outline's a little bit different than theirs for what we're doing today, for what we've been doing. But here's our outline. Prepare, we prepared for the future problem. When we looked at chapter 1, we didn't know we had a problem. The only person that had a problem was the king because he fired the queen. But that doesn't seem to, to, to concern us, doesn't seem to concern the biblical world. But what happens then is when Vashai gets deposed from being queen, he needs a new queen. He can't, you know, he can't run a kingdom without a queen. You got that, guys? Okay, just a little note there. It's coming up on Valentine's Day. You've got to have a queen. So anyway, God maneuvers that so that Esther becomes queen. And it still doesn't look like a big deal. And then Mordecai also overhears some things about a plot against the king's life, makes it known, and it actually it happens. But God knows your problems before you do. And God's at work in your life before you know that you need it. I love that, okay? God's at work in your life before you know that you need. He's not reacting. That's what we do. The problem's revealed, and that's when um, Haman, Haman decides that Mordecai needed to bow down to him. He didn't, want to, he didn't bow down to him. So rather than take Mordecai out, he's going to take out all the Jews, which includes Mordecai, and which includes Esther, which includes all those people back in Jerusalem who were unaware of what's going on in Susa. Their lives are now at stake. Now they seek a solution. We read about that last week. And in there, we, we responded with emotion. We do that. When, we, when a problem comes and shows up on our doorstep, we respond with emotion. And finally, when we get down to the end, Esther asked for a fast. And that fast seems to be a concentrated effort to seek God in that. When we have a problem, you can get all emotional about it, but you've got to do more than that. You've got to take that problem to God because God can take care of it. You can try to fix it on your own, and usually you'll fall short of that. And it, even if you fix it on your own and you fix it the way God intended it's going to become a problem later on. So here we are in the reversal of roles. The reversal of roles, what we're going to talk about here as we read through the 5th, 6th, and 7th chapters. There are a couple of verses I'll skip, but you have this afternoon to finish the gap there and read back through the story. So let's pick it up in the 5th chapter in verse 9. Then Haman went out that day glad and pleased of heart. This is after he's returning from the first banquet set up with the king and with Esther. Esther's invited him to the banquet. He's leaving the banquet, and this is what it says. Then Haman went out that day glad and pleased of heart. But when Haman saw Mordecai in the king's gate, and that he did not stand up or tremble before him, Haman was filled with anger against Mordecai. Haman controlled himself, however, went to his house and sent for his friends and his wife Zeresh. Then Haman recounted to them the glory of his riches and the number of his sons and every instance where the king had magnified him and how he had promoted him above the princes and servants of the king. Haman also said, even as to the queen, let no one but me come with the king to the banquet which she had prepared. And tomorrow also I am invited by her with the king. Yet all of this does not satisfy me every time I see Mordecai, the Jew, sitting at the king's gate. 
Then Zeresh, his wife, and all his friends said to him, Have a gallows fifty cubits high, and in the morning ask the king to have Mordecai hanged on it. Then joyfully with the king, then go joyfully with the king to the banquet. And the advice pleased Haman, so he had the gallows made. So what happens here, Haman leaves the, the banquet. I mean, he's, he's floating, isn't he? I mean, he, he's, this, is, this is one of his moments when he got to be invited with the king to the queen's place, to the banquet. He's the only guy besides the, the, the king to get to go. That's, that's rare air there, Right? You're up on another plateau when that happens. And so he comes back and he gathers these friends and he gathers, he has his wife show up. And what's he doing? He's doing a little touchdown dance. All right, without a jersey on. He's boasting about what just happened. And then he continues, it's not just enough that I've been invited to this banquet and I've got to go back tomorrow, but I want you to know everything else that the king has done, how he's elevated me, and I'm above. Did I tell you that I'm above the rest of the, the, everybody else? Did I tell you that I was the only one invited to the banquet with the queen and I get to go back tomorrow and I'm the only one again besides the king? I mean, this is what this is, right? It's, it's let the boasting begin. I want you to think about this. Because in all that boasting, I think his friends think he's arrived. I mean, really, I mean, where, where else can he go? Other than being king, there's, there's no higher level to go to than where he, he has attained. But he says, I'm still not satisfied. You see, when we're not chasing down what God wants, we're going to find ourselves in the land of discontentment. And that's exactly where Mordecai was at, where Haman was at. He was in that land of discontentment because what he really wanted was everybody. And did you notice that the, the author wrote that he didn't bow down or he didn't tremble? I don't know how many, how many times you trembled around somebody, but that's exactly what Haman expected Mordecai to do. And so he told them that. He told them that, that Mord, what Mordecai did. Well, we know how to fix it. You ever offered friend, suggestions to a friend? Well, I know how to fix that problem. We'll just flatten their tires, you know, whatever it might be, right? We'll just fix them. And that's exactly what they do. Well, you just have some gallows made. And they're talking like big gallows. It, 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 the, the, the reference material that I looked said it was like 75 feet tall. Now, that's a lot, right? So they don't know if that's an exaggeration or actuality. But we do know this, that he did have a maid. They were made to make a statement. They were made to bring satisfaction to a man who was not satisfied with his life. You understand that? He wasn't looking for satisfaction in God, and he wasn't finding it. Let's follow the story, though, so that we get this set up. Now, I hope that as we follow the story about Haman, that none of you are Haman. 
See what happens as they go. Because here's what happens. I'm going to read. He has the gallows made, and now he's on his way to the king to have Mordecai hung on him. That plays an important role in what happens next. I mean, it's a huge reversal of role, but it, it, it adds to it when you understand that the reason that he's whistling Dixie on his way to the palace is because he thinks he's going to walk in there and the king is going to give him permission to hang Mordecai. Let's pick it up here in the 6th chapter, verse 1. During that night, the king could not sleep, so he gave an order to bring the book of records, the chronicles, and they were read before the king. Bedtime stories for the king, right? It was found written that Mordecai had reported concerning Bigtana and Teresh, two of the king's eunuchs who were doorkeepers, that they had sought to lay hands on King Ahasuerus. The king said... What honor or dignity has been bestowed on Mordecai for this? Then the king's servants who attended him said, Nothing has been done for him. So the king said, Who is in the court? Nahaman had just entered the outer court of the king's palace in order to speak to the king about hanging Mordecai on the gallows which he had prepared for him. The king's servant said to him, Behold, Haman is standing in the court. And the king said, Let him come in. So Haman came in, and the king said to him, I love this part, What is to be done for the man whom the king desires to honor? And Haman said to himself, Whom? This is going on in his head, that little bubble above his head, right? Haman said to himself, Whom would the king desire to honor more than me? Then Haman said to the king, For the for the man whom the king desires to honor. Let them bring a royal robe which the king has worn and the horse on which the king has ridden and on whose head a royal crown has been placed. And let the robe and the horse be handed over to, the one, to, over to one of the king's most noble princes and let them array the man whom the king desires to honor and lead him on horseback through the city square, and proclaim before him, thus it shall be done to the manner whom, excuse me, thus it shall be done to the man whom the king desires to honor. Then the king said to Haman, take quickly the robes and the horses as you have said. Exciting, right? Haman still thinks it's him. And do so for Mordecai the Jew, who is sitting at the king's gate. Do not fall short in anything of all that you have said. So Haman took the robe and the horse and arrayed Mordecai and led him on horseback through the city square and proclaimed before him, Thus it shall be done to the man whom the king desires to honor. The passage goes on that when it's all done, he runs back to his house. He is not happy. We thought that um, Jonah had trouble walking through the cities of, on the streets of Nineveh. Take it to the next level. Haman's got to walk through his mortal enemy arrayed on the robe and on the horse. That's what's going on here. 
So, in that passage of Scripture, we opened up the sixth chapter. How many of you, how many of you were awakened last night somewhere in the middle of the night? You weren't sleeping, right? Okay, we understand this. The king couldn't sleep. This night, the night between the banquets, the night before Mordecai, before, yeah, before Mordecai intends to hang Haman, it's this night that the king could not sleep. And we don't know the time period between the end of chapter 2 and what we find here in the 6th chapter, but it wasn't like a day or two. The king doesn't sleep. And he asks for reading material. And he asks for the chronicles to be read. And they happen to turn the pages open. However they did that, the scroll, the tablet, whatever they had. They happen to pick it up and they happen to read the story about the two eunuchs at the gate who intended to take the life of the king and the one who heard it and who turned them in. And his name happened to be Mordecai. And as he's, as he's hearing that story, he asks that question. And I want you to think about that. Who, who got the king up? Why did the king lose sleep? We could say it was something he had at the banquet. Didn't set right. Had a little heartburn. We, could, we can pass it off into a coincidence. I want you to know when we read through the book of Esther, God's name's not mentioned, but yet it, it, God is it very much at work. God is at work in your life. Even when you don't see the post-it note that says God was here or God is here, I want you to know we need to be looking to see what is God doing in our life and what is God steering us to? What kind of direction is God giving to us that we haven't caught on to? Because God woke the king up. God had the, his servants pull, open, pull out that book and turn to that page. Because God had a plan before there was a problem. And so when we read through here, when they read through that story, the king goes, what do we do for that guy? I mean, it sounds like I, did I send the thank you note? Right, I mean, did I, did I go and, did I shake Mordecai's hand and say thank you for doing that? What, what, what's, what did I do? And so then Haman shows up again, not by accident. Haman shows up and he, he, he gets to hear the question from the king. What is to be done for the man whom the king desires to honor. Right? You want to flip that slide? What is to be done for the man whom the king desires to honor? Can, did you catch the gravity of that, that statement in there? I mean, because Haman goes, it's got to be me. <laughs> it's, that present's got to be for me. That's what pride does, doesn't it? Everything's about you. When everything's focused on you, then he is not worthy because you're not even considering that. Do you understand that? So his whole world's focused there. And so, so when he realizes it's for him, that's what he thinks. 
He lists out all these lavish things to honor him. The robe, the crown, the horse, the parade. And then it's a reversal of roles. You know, because he came to ask for a hanging. Well, we could do the hanging another day as long as I get to do the parade today. Go do that for Mordecai. You think his face changed? Wow. He didn't realize it, but God was at work. Let's read what happens because he mourns that and goes home. And as soon as he goes home, they come and get him to go to the banquet. Now the king and Haman came, with, came to drink wine with Esther the queen. And the king said to Esther, look the slide there, and the king said to Esther on the second day also as they drank their wine at the banquet, what is your petition, Queen Esther? It shall be granted you. And what is your request? Even the half of the kingdom it shall be done. Then Queen Esther replied, If I have found favor in your sight, O king, and if it pleases the king, let my life be given me as my petition and my people as my request. For we have been sold, I and my people, to be destroyed, to be killed and annihilated. Now, if we'd only been sold as slaves, men and women, I would have remained silent, for the trouble would not be commensurate with the annoyance to the king. Then King Ahasuerus asked Queen Esther, Who is he and where is he? Who would presume to do this? Esther said, A foe and an enemy is this wicked Haman. Then Haman became terrified before the king and queen. The king arose in his anger from drinking wine and went into the palace garden. But Haman stayed to beg for his life from Queen Esther, for he saw that harm had been determined against him by the king. Now when the king returned from the palace garden into the place where they were drinking wine, Haman was falling down on the couch where Esther was. I will stop and tell you that in one of the, 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 the recordings of this, that it's, it, Gabriel pushed him. Okay, it's not here, just, just so you think about it. God's at work, though, right? He returned from the palace garden in the place where they were drinking wine. Haman was falling on the couch where Esther was. And the king said, will he even assault the queen with me in the house? As the word went out of the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face. Then Harbanah, one of the eunuchs, who were before the king said, Behold, indeed, the gallows standing at Haman's house, 50 cubits high, which Haman made for Mordecai, who spoke good on behalf of the king. And the king said, Hang him on it. So they hanged Haman on the gallows which he'd prepared for Mordecai, and the king's anger subsided, and we all let out a big applause, right? Because the enemy is gone. She asks for a request, let my life be given and my people as my request. We've been sold. Remember the talents of silver that, that, that um, Haman offered to the king for the life of the Jews. Huge amount of silver. And that's what she says, we've been sold. Our lives have been sold. 
And she asks for her life, for Mordecai's life, for the lives of the Jews that are back in Jerusalem and the Jews scattered all the way throughout the kingdom. That's what her petition was. So God raised up what appears to be a voice to ask for the deliverance. We won't know until next week what happens. But right now we have, that means come back next week. What we have is that petition or request going forth. King, the king, apparently signs things and didn't think much about what he was signing. Maybe he signed so many things he forgot what he'd signed. It wasn't a big deal to him. Who did this? Well, the guy with you did this. We don't know why he walks out, whether he has to regather himself, like, how could I let this happen? I'm in charge here, and this happened. But we do know that he came back in, and when he came back in, well, he's seen enough. And they hang Haman up. They, they hanged Haman on the very gallows that he had prepared. You see, I wonder what that was like. Because the last time he walked past the gallows, it was with glee because he was about ready to hang Mordecai on it. The next time he saw those gallows, they were, he was marching up there. and It was his life that was going to be taken. God was at work. Right? So they hanged Haman. We want to celebrate. All right? when, it, it's that story when we see the villain over with. I mean, we get it. You're watching a movie. You see the villain get wiped out. You're a Chiefs fan today, and, and you see the guy heading for the end zone, and the Chiefs guy tackles the, the Eagles guy. You're, you're excited, right? The villain's been stopped. The villain's been stopped. But I want you to understand, in this book, it wasn't the life of Mordecai that was trying to save. It was the life of all the Jews. And at this point, the only life that has been spared, or two lives have been spared, has been Esther's and Mordecai's. Mordecai specifically, because he was about to be hung on the gallows. And he doesn't even know it, as far as we know. But he was about to be hung on, on the gallows. The problem is not solved. I want you to think about this. There are times when we're doing the touchdown dance and God is not done yet. God has greater and bigger things and we settle for the lesser things. We celebrate when God intends to do more through us and more around us. We need to carry that through and see where God is leading. Because the victory that God has is much bigger than the victory that we can envision. We need to understand that. Let's go back to the pride issue. Let's go back to the pride issue. We live in a world where we have self-worth issues. We just, it just, we just do. Am I, am I good enough to do this? Am I, you assumed, Lisa said, I'm glad you're here. Okay? <laughs> but we run through that. And sometimes we mask our insecurities with pride. 
I want you to think about how God looks at that. Because here's, here's what happens. When we build up pride in us, it takes God out of that equation. And what we need is God in the equation. We can, we can think about this and go, here's what typically happens. We, we get to the point where we figured out that we can't be good enough to get saved. So we take a little sidestep over here to the Jesus store. We get a little Jesus because he's, he's the only one that can take care of that salvation issue and us going to heaven. And so we'll, we'll, we'll take a step out of our pride for a moment. We'll go over here and get a little Jesus, and then we'll step back in here, and we live the rest of our life like we don't need Jesus again. That's called living in your own pride. That's not where we need to be living. The Scripture said here, this is about pride, okay? This is the, the, the message version. First pride, then the crash. The bigger the ego, the harder the fall. Okay, we get that. Here's what it says about pride. Pride refers to, un, to an unwarranted attitude of confidence. A little definition in the Lexham Dictionary. Often used in Scripture to refer to an unhealthy, elevated view of one's self, abilities, or possessions. Haman hit it on every one of those. If you're asking yourself, do I have pride? Well, I, didn't, I don't talk about my, myself or my ability, but my possessions I got covered. So I'm not prideful. Cover any one of those three, and that's the category that you fall into. Our trust needs not to be in ourselves. God does great things through us. God, God you're worth. How much are you worth? You're worth more than your possessions. You're worth more than who you are. You're worth more than what you can do. You know what he paid for you? His blood, the, the, the very blood and life, the body of his son was sent so that you might have eternal life. So that that relationship which you blew with your sin can't be bought with your abilities can be purchased with your possessions only through the blood of Jesus Christ. You're worth that much because that's what he gave so that you might have eternal life. We need to reference our pride. Here's our action steps for this week. Where do you have unhealthy, unbiblical pride? I'm not going to tell you. You can tell me, okay? What are you going to do about it? It's, it's kind of like you don't want a little of it because a little then builds to a lot. So think about that. What are you going to do about it? Here's my suggestion. Is that you confess it, and replace it with humility. Only you are worthy. What are we going to do about the pride that, that may be unchecked in our life? We, we're going to see this today. But let's not see it in, in us. Let's stand. We're going to sing. We're going to give you that invitation. If you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior... Or you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but not followed through with baptism, we'd encourage you to come down and talk about that. That's what 
Step one is in following Jesus, okay? Talk about being a member. That's, what it, that's the very first step, all right? I want, to, I want to trust Jesus for my salvation. Make that today if that's what you need to do. Secondly, if you, want, if you have, if you come down here, I'm not going to assume you have pride. But if you have pride and you want to lay that down here, then you come and say, God, help me to walk in humility and that means to trust in you more and less in myself. I also might ask you to come and pray for the victim. Syria and, and Turkey have experienced a huge thing. Glenn mentioned as he was praying that we've been praying. If you want to come and pray for them today, you can come and pray because they need Jesus. Maybe this might be the thing that, that gets that. So you can come, you can pray where you're at. If you have any other thing that you want to pray for, then you come this morning. Let's sing. His body the bread, His blood the wine, broken and poured out all for love. The whole earth trembled and the veil was torn. Love so amazing. Love so amazing. Jesus Messiah. Name above all names. Blessed Redeemer, Emmanuel, the rescue for sinners, the ransom from heaven, Jesus Messiah. Lord of all, Jesus Messiah, name above all names, blessed for sinners the ransom from heaven Jesus Messiah Lord of all Jesus Messiah Lord your way down here, and it could have the rest of the deacons come down.
So this is Blake. If you didn't know, this, this, this young, handsome, tall man here in the middle is, is Blake. All right? Blake has been with us for quite a bit, and um, I've known Blake since he was a little baby. And so he's preached around at our churches, around in the community, he's preached here. And he's been searching for where God would send him, where God would call him. He worked with Highland Avenue Baptist Church over in Robinson. It's where the Hershey factory is at, so we probably need a road trip because, matter of fact, the, the Heath Museum is there, okay? So it sounds like a road trip with our, with our cookies, okay? <laughs> so we, we'll, we'll have to come see that. But Blake is leaving us, and he begins next week. And what's your title? You got that mic on? My official title is Associate Pastor of Youth and Family Ministries. So that means he's going to have to get a bigger business card. Okay, it's a long title. It's a long title, especially you put the church name on there too. Right, right. I run out of breath telling people where I'm going. Okay, so stage prop. Why don't you sit down here because you're taller than everybody else here. Okay. It would, it would work better if we would lay hands on you from, from here, okay? So if you guys will gather around, lay hands. Teresa, I'm going to ask you to come up and pray with us. I'm going to give, this is his dad, Steve, okay? If you didn't know, these two are related. <laughs> Father, son there. And so I'll ask Steve to, to lead us in prayer. I'll ask Teresa to um, pray. And then Vic, I'll ask you to close us out. When, just pass the mic, okay? Please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this opportunity you've prepared for Blake, Lord. Have you prepared his life over time, Lord, and the people you brought into his life to give him this opportunity, Father. We just thank you for each and every one of them who have helped in the past, Lord. And we're looking forward for the ones who will be mentoring and directing him in the future, Father. We just thank you for our church family and the excitement they've had for him, Lord. And we just thank you for the excitement we've seen in the church he'll be going to, Lord. We just thank you for... Each and every one of these people has touched his life, Lord. He's asked these things in Christ's name. Dear Heavenly Father, we just come to you now and lift Blake up to you, Lord. We pray and ask that you just guide his steps, direct his path, Lord, as he starts this new adventure, um, just following your will and following your leading. And Lord, we pray a special blessing upon him. We pray that you just put your hands upon him and hands upon the church that is going to take him in. I pray that he will be one that just leads the youth and the families, that they will just come to know you, that they will fall in love with Blake and fall in love with you through his example and his attitude and his, his life that he lives, Lord. So we just lift him up to you, and we pray that we will pray for him always. Father, Father as we continue to lift Blake to you, We thank you for the call you've placed on his life. Father, he's sought you, and he's found the the place where you want him to be. Help him, Lord, in the days ahead to listen as closely for your guidance as he has been listening up to now. Lord, may his life be a, a... a guide, a strength, a blessing 
to that church, to the families there, to those who will, uh, will need, Father, perhaps a special touch that only Blake can give. Help him to be there for you and for the glory of Christ in the lives of those people. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to miss him. We're going to um, we're going to have to replace him. That's going to be hard to do, right, guys? So I think we have a video. Do we have a video? So, are you happy to be here today? Amen. God is good. God is going to be good where he goes, and God is still going to be good to us, okay? Thank you.